I mean, some people, they just thought, man, I, I, I don't want to go to hell. And, and certainly, I don't want you to go to hell. But salvation is far more than just a fire escape to get you out of the condemnation and the mess of your sin that you got yourself into. You got a whole lot more when you got salvation. And boy, it can do a whole lot more than just simply take you to heaven. And we need to realize and understand that, hey, listen, uh, we are the very temple of God. I love this verse because it says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Boy, what a great concept right there. And we're going to look at that this morning, but I want to start here, and that is the foundation of the temple. Way back up in verse number 11, the Bible says this, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Listen, in order to have, uh, in order to be the temple uh, of God and have the Holy Spirit that dwells within you, you must have the foundation laid, which is the salvation by Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Uh, listen, it happens at the time of salvation, and we need to understand. A lot of people don't understand hey, that, that I don't have a foundation. I was looking this morning and trying to, uh, to, to really illustrate, and, and, uh, and I started reading about the Leaning Tower of Pisa. I've been there, and, uh, and, and it is leaning. And, and I know I, I remember reading about it when I was there, but uh, I remember looking it up, and, and I started thinking about that idea of, of the Leaning uh, Tower of Pisa. And I did not realize this, but it was built, uh, it was originally started in 1173. That's pretty old. And uh, let me just read you a little bit of facts about it. Uh, the Leaning Tower of Pisa was built in 1173. It was designed to be 180 feet tall. And after only three stories of construction with white marble, the building's foundation started to lean because of the soft ground that it was built upon. Just three stories. Now, marble's very heavy. So they started building that thing, and because of the faulty foundation, it has been plagued with problems and interruptions in its building. There are twin spiral staircases lining the tower's interior with 294 steps leading to the bell chamber. However, one staircase has two additional steps to compensate for the lean that takes place in that tower. Imagine that. The foundation has been strengthened by injecting, uh, injection of cement, grout, and various types of bracing and reinforcement to try and keep that thing from continuing to lean because after they built it, and they built it for many, many years, uh, it continued to lean and it was a problem so much so that they had to try and reinforce the foundation and so they were uh, trying to put cement down under there to keep that thing from falling over. And, and, and that helped a little bit, but it still was leaning uh, ever so slightly every year it would move. And the foundation had to be strengthened uh, by further going on. And, and it says in the late 20th century, the structure was still subsiding. And in 1990, they siphoned out more dirt from underneath it, uh, which helped, but it still leans. 
And listen, the thing is this, they will never get that thing straight or right unless they jack the whole thing up, scrape away the foundation, and lay a foundation that is fit to hold that thing upright, even on the ground with which it is. And listen, a lot of people have built their life, and they think, man, it's a marvelous life that I have. And they think, wow, it's beautiful. I mean, it's even made out of white marble, and they've designed all these plans for their life, and everything has pretty much fallen into place. But the problem with their life is it is leaning, and it's off-kilter. And every year it continues to get a little more off kilter and they're doing all kinds of things to try and maintain their life so that it can be right. Can I tell you that your life will never be right without the foundation of Jesus Christ? There is no other foundation. Hey, my friend, religion will not save you. And many a man has built his life on top of a religious foundation only to find that it sinks on one side, it sags on one side, and they find at the end of the road that their life is leaning one way or the other and it is not a good foundation to build on. Hey, listen, the Bible is very clear that Jesus Christ is the only foundation that can ever exist that will keep a man upright, that will save his soul. And we have to realize that the foundation must be Jesus Christ. There's no other way of salvation. We know that. I preach that regularly around here. Listen, you can be baptized. You can be a member of Anchor Baptist Church, but being a member of Anchor Baptist Church will not save you. It will not. Being baptized in the baptismal tank a thousand times will not wash away your sins because it's not baptism. It's not church membership. You can give a million dollars in the offering. That's not going to save you. Pay off our mortgage, but it won't save you. Because no amount of good works is going to save you. You have to be built on Jesus Christ and Him alone. The Bible says it very clearly in this verse. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And only Christ can save a person that is lost. And listen, you need to come to the point that you acknowledge and realize, I am lost. Maybe you've been building upon a religious foundation. Maybe you've been building upon a works-based foundation. Maybe you've been building upon a good moral upbringing, but you find, hey, I, I, inside I am still empty. Inside there is still something missing, and that, my friend, is Jesus Christ. And He can save you. The Bible says that old verse that we know so well, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hey, listen, my friend. He wants you to call upon Him for salvation. He wants you to realize that your life without Him it, it will always be tilted, will always be leaning, will never be straight, because Jesus Christ is the only foundation that can straighten man. We find the foundation of the temple. Hey, your life must be built upon Jesus Christ. That is the only way to get to heaven. That is the only way 
to receive the Holy Spirit. And we find here in, in, in not only the foundation, but I want you to notice some facts of the temple in verse number 16. Look with me, the Bible says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. That word dwell means inhabit. Isn't that helpful? So I looked up inhabit. And it means to have residence in a place. That means that the Spirit of God dwells, He habitates, He resides inside of you. In the Old Testament, uh, I was thinking a lot about the correlation of the Old Testament temple. The Old Testament temple, when Solomon finally constructed that temple, and on the very inside was a place that was called the Holy of Holies. And inside of that place, then the Ark of the Covenant there resided. And the Ark of the Covenant was known as the place uh, where God would dwell and that He would be. And so inside of that Holy of Holies, then the, uh, the high priest would only go in one time time a year, the Bible says. And when he did go in, listen, it was such a holy, sacred thing that uh, they would put bells on him so that they could know if he was moving and they would take a rope and, and loop it around his foot so that, uh, so that if for any reason he was unclean when he went into the presence of God and God were to strike him dead, uh, that they would take that rope and they would draw him back out. I'm telling you, it was a, it was a holy place. It was the most holy. Jews would not even dare uh, go near to that place, uh, to, the, to, the, to the place that was the holy of holies, uh, without being a high priest and without going through all their ceremonial processes that they would do to go to that, uh, that place. And even today, uh, listen, I've been to the Temple Mount and, and, I, and I was there, and as I was there, our guide, who was a very devout Jew and, and still believed in, in Judaism, and, and uh, he he would not even go up on the Temple Mount for fear that he might accidentally step where the Holy of Holies may have been. That's how religious they are. That's how devote, that's how serious they take the holiness of God. And as I think about that, I think, listen, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And the Bible says uh, that we are the temple of God. I thought of a couple things. One, I'm grateful that as a Christian, I don't have to go to a place to find the presence of God. What? If you ever get a chance to take a trip to Jerusalem, wonderful. You will enjoy it. It is, a, it is a wonderful place. But can I tell you something this morning? You don't have to go to Jerusalem to find the very presence of God in your life. Isn't that great? I mean, could you imagine if we had to travel all the way to Jerusalem just to see uh, or be in the very presence of God? I'm grateful that we do not have to go to a certain place where God dwells on this earth, but rather, he said this, that ye are the temple of God and that the Holy Spirit dwells, he resides, he inhabits your life and every 
everywhere we go and everywhere we are, we have the presence of God with us. Boy, that's a comforting thought for Christians. I lived as a missionary for many years overseas, and uh, I, I've, been in, uh, I've been in places where there was no cell reception. I've been in places where there was no electric. I remember traveling uh, as a missionary with my other missionary friend, and, 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 and there was no GPS. The roads weren't mapped and, and things like that, and, and you don't even know where you're, uh, where you're at. And, and, and man, uh, I tell you what, you get out to a place like that, and you're grateful, hey, that God said, I'm with you, and that he won't leave you or forsake you. Hey, hey, listen, when, when things go bad and, and maybe you're laying in a hospital room or uh, at home and, and you're all alone and you're thinking, man, I'm lonely and, and I don't have anything, it is a comforting thought and it is an encouraging thought to those who are, are saved to say, hey, I know that I am not alone, that the Holy Spirit of God goes with me wherever I go. That's a comforting thought. That is a blessing, and it ought to be for every person that is saved. Hey, listen, we know that. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And thank God that he goes with us everywhere we go. Listen, as we think about that, we also need to think about the fact that God is holy. Hey, hey in, in our life, we need to protect it and be aware of God's presence and his holiness everywhere we go. I remember when I was in Bible college, I, uh, I got on this kick. I, I, I bought myself a little New Testament, just a little cheap New Testament. And I decided, man, I was going to carry that thing everywhere with me. And I did. And, and it wasn't because, oh, you know, if you have the Bible, then you have God with you. It wasn't, it wasn't that. God is with you, regardless of if you have the Bible or do not have the Bible. But it was more so, I like, I, I carry things. My dad taught me a long time ago. Uh, I, I carried a pocket knife um, it's probably since I was a teenager. Everywhere I go, I always have a pocket knife except for flights. I know you guys are already calling the FFA. Uh, I, 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 I just, I like to be prepared. And you always have one and I always find a use for it. You know, you can do this or do that. I, I just, I like to. And so I, I thought, man, I'm going to have this New Testament with me for a few purposes. One, that I'll be able to read it at any time that I want. And then two, I, I want it on my person as a reminder that everywhere I go, that God is with me. And listen, we need reminded in our life that God is with us at every, I was going to say waking moment, but he's with us every sleeping moment as well. He is with us 24-7. There is never a time that God is not with you. And as you think about that, his idea here in verse number 16 is not so much the comforting thought that God is with you, though that is a truth and that is a fact that he does dwell with you and he's always there. And the Bible says this in Isaiah, go with me, save your spot here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and go with me to Isaiah 41. 
Isaiah 41. I'd like you to see this verse. It's a verse that you probably know. You probably have it hung uh, on your wall at home or uh, perhaps you quote it often, but it's a good verse, uh, an encouraging verse. But I want you to notice this in Isaiah chapter number 41 and verse number uh, 10. The Bible says this, Isaiah 41 and verse number 10. The Bible says, Fear thou not. This is again a comforting verse. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. But look at this last phrase. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And I thought, boy, what a... What a great truth that God includes. Yes, it's a comforting thought because He is with us. And He says to fear not because I am with thee. But at the same time, we notice that He says, Hey, I'm going to uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And God's always concerned about holiness in our lives and us being right. He's concerned about us living right. He's concerned about us uh, walking right and living right. And He's with us. He said, I will, I'll be with you, but I'm going to uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. I want you to notice uh, that He talks about their righteousness, and He will uphold you in His righteousness if you'll allow Him to. But so often we pick what we want. We choose to ignore that God is with us. We choose to ignore that God is his present with us in every place, in every situation. Listen, one of the facts of the temple back in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 16 is that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. He's with you at all times. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. One of the second fact I want you to notice about the temple of God is in verse number 17. The Bible says, If any man defile the temple of God. Now what does the word defile mean? The word defile means to make foul or impure, to make filthy, to dirty, to be foul, to pollute. Listen, the temple... It is a sacred place of God's. I've already given the illustration in the Old Testament how, uh, how, how it was such a sacred place. I'll never forget Brother uh, Mark Rogers. I, don't, I can't even tell you what year it was. It was several years ago preaching, I believe, right here in our church. I might have been another location. And he was preaching on the temple of God and, and he said this, if you were to walk in here Sunday morning and somebody had broken in our building and vandalized it and spray painted on the walls and, and, and of course it's Sunday morning, we don't have time to repaint, we're having services and you're looking at the vandalism that took place, boy, you would be irate that somebody would do that. It wasn't very long ago, I, I, I don't remember how many months, might have been couple months ago, somebody, uh, somebody stole the catalytic converter off the church van. Man, that, that makes me, it's the second time it's happened to our church. That makes me irate. And, and I just think to myself, the goal to go to a church, a church parking lot and steal the catalytic converter off the church vehicle. I think to myself, have you no fear of God? I mean, are you completely ignorant? 
I mean, go steal it from the bank. Go steal it from any other bank. Don't steal it all. But I mean, definitely don't steal from God. It just blows my mind. But if you're not careful, listen, we defile the temple of God in the same ways. Because listen, he is with you 24-7. Not just here at 2700 Richville Drive, Southeast, Maslin, Ohio. Oh, I hope and pray that he meets with us every time we get together and every time that we have people and we open up the word of God. Oh, we want and we crave the presence of God with us. But I'm telling you that when you leave here and you go out the doors and you go out to lunch on Sunday afternoon, that the Holy Spirit of God goes with you and that you are the temple of God. And as you go to lunch and and then as you go home and and do whatever you do and, and then if you come back tonight and and listen, the Holy Spirit of God is with you. And if you don't come back tonight, then the Holy Spirit of God is with you at home. And listen, that's not an excuse to stay home. Hey, you ought to come back and gather because that's what he desires. That's what he wants. But so many times we negate what God wants and we don't do and we don't follow what he wants and we defile the temple of God. And I'm just telling you, not just on Sunday, But listen, on Monday, when we get up and we go to work, hey, just because we take our suit coat off and throw it aside doesn't mean we take our Christianity off. And man, we put on our work clothes and now I'm no longer a Christian. Now I'm going to work as a worker. No, listen, my friend, if if you're going to work, you're going to work and the Spirit of God is going to your place of employment. When you come home at night after work and you do whatever you do and and, and as you're scrolling through social media, listen, the Spirit of God is scrolling through social media with you. When you turn on the television and you're watching stuff, hey, listen, the Spirit of God is sitting on that couch with you watching everything that's taking place as you're around some of those people and you're listening to different things. Hey, I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is still in you and still with you everywhere you go and he says don't defile the temple hey be careful be careful of of the things that you look at on the internet be careful of the things that you put on your tv be careful of the things that you listen to on the radio be careful of the books that you read be careful of the music that you listen to be careful of the friends that you associate with be careful of the things that you do and the things that you go and 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 allow to enter into your body because the bible's very clear that your body is a temple of god and he doesn't want it defiled. Oh, listen, you wouldn't, you wouldn't dare bring a television set into the church house and watch some of the stuff you watch at your home. Why? Well, that's a sacred place. No, my friend, this, is, this place is set apart for the service of God. So, so in that essence, yes, but your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. He dwells within you. And everywhere you go and everything that you do, the Holy Spirit is right there. And he doesn't want defilement. He doesn't want 
that kind of thing. The Bible says this in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Uh, listen, the Bible says this, I've preached this verse so many times, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Hey, listen, what you allow to come in through your eye gates and through your ear gates that go into your life, they're going to go into your heart and they're going to defile your temple if you're not careful with the things that you let in. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.24, following on after that, uh, why don't you go over there to Proverbs chapter number 4. I want you to see this in the Word of God. Proverbs chapter number 4. Proverbs chapter number 4 and verse number 23. You ought, to, you ought to underline, you ought to memorize verse number 23 that says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. I'll not re-preach. I've preached this passage so many times to young people, old people, uh, new people, and, and every people. Listen, the Word of God uh, tells us and warns us that our heart is something to be protected. And he says in verse number 23, Proverbs 4, 23, Keep thy heart with all diligence. In other words, hey, make sure that you are diligent. Make sure that you are purposeful about protecting your heart because your heart is susceptible to worldly influences, to wrong ideas, to wrong things. He says, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. The next verse says, Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Verse 24 talks about the things that you listen to. And listen, a froward mouth would be a, a bad mouth. Somebody who talks uh, bad and, and poor ideas and perversity and perverse lips. He goes on, hey listen, those people that are going to influence you and talk wrong around you and try and convince you to do things. Hey, the Bible says put them away from you. Why? Because they're going to influence your heart. Don't listen to that stuff. Put it away from you. Verse 25, the following verse, look at what he says. Let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. In verse 25, he's talking about what you are viewing with your eyes. And he's talking about look right on. In other words, hey, don't be distracted to the right or to the left. We live in Amish country. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but you go down the road and, and many times you'll see an Amish buggy out there. And, and you know what they have on their, uh, on their head? They have two little things that go right there over their eyes. Of course, their eyes are back here where my ears are, so it's on the side. But uh, you know what that does? It keeps those horses from being distracted on the right hand or on the left hand. They are only allowed to look ahead. And since they have a bit in their mouth, boy, uh, they're only looking where the, the driver will allow them to look. Would to God that we would put some blinders on our eyes and be careful of the things that we see with our eyes because it's going to influence your heart. He says, put perverse lips far from you. Look straight on. Be careful about gazing about and, 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 and things that you would see. Why? Because it will influence your heart. And the Bible is very clear in this passage. We'll not uh, take the time to, to look at it further. But understand this. Your eyes and your ears are a gateway to your heart. And he says, keep thy heart with all diligence. Be purposeful about it. Listen, in the New Testament, it tells us that your body is the temple 
of God and that the Holy Spirit dwelleth within you. He says, be careful of defilement in verse number 17. If any man defile the temple of God. Oh, listen, be careful about defilement. Look at what he says as we look in verse number 17. Not only we're talking about facts of the temple, we see that he dwells in us. We see that there's, there's possibility of defilement. But look in verse number 17 back in our text. He says, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. I'll be honest with you, I read that and I thought, when I think of destroy, man, Maybe I have a destructive mind, but I think obliterate. That just is what comes to mind. And so I, I read that and I looked up this word and I thought, boy, I need to understand what is God saying here? Because I do know, and it's very clear in Scripture, that once you're saved, you're always saved. We go back and look at that. That's in the text that we read. He said, he, as he was talking about building, that, that some things would be lost, but you would be saved so as by fire. In other words, you may make it through and, and you would be saved if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then, then you will be saved. You are saved. There's no question about that. Uh, and you're not going to lose your salvation. But what does the word destroy mean? Dictionary definition says this. I found, this un, I found this very interesting because this is not how I would have defined it. I would have defined it one word, obliterate. That's what I would have defined it as. It means to unbuild. How about that? I never knew that. Never thought of it that way. To pull down or tear down. To separate virulently, and I don't know what that word means, into its constituent parts to break up the structure and organic existence of... And then the last one is to demolish. That's where I go immediately. It does mean that, by the way. But the idea there is not that God is looking to destroy you as a Christian. Okay? We, we need to understand that. That's very clear. We could go through many scriptures that would very much so substantiate that idea that God is not looking to destroy, obliterate your life as a Christian. We need to understand that. But we do have to understand this. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. That idea of destroy is to unbuild or pull down or tear down. Let me give you an illustration to help you understand this. And I, I know drywalling. I'm familiar with that. And, and so if, if you have a room full and, of, of just studs and, and maybe insulation that's in there and you're putting up drywall and so you go and you measure and you measure twice, cut once. That's what I always heard said. Because when you cut twice is bad and cut another board because you messed up your first measure. Measure twice, cut once. All right. So you measure drywall, you get it, you put it up there, man, it's square, it's beautiful, and, and you start screwing it in, you get a couple screws to hold that bad bear in place, and then, you, man, you just screw everything so that it's all clean, it's not going to move. And you go out and you start doing your next piece. And I come through and I just start taking all those screws out. And you know what's going to happen. You're going to get down to the last one or two, and, and I'm just going to 
I'm not even going to bother to hold it and it's going to fall and crunch the corner. Man, there's nothing worse than a crunched corner on drywall. You throw the piece away, you got to get a new piece. There's no, there is no repairing a crunched corner on drywall. I don't care how much mud you fit in, it, it will always be visible. And I let it fall, it crunches the corner. Not only does it crunch the corner, it breaks in half. And you come back, you say, I was trying to build something. And the thought is this, that as you are constructing your life, and you're going about doing, as the Bible talks about later, worldly philosophy, and you're saying, this is the idea, and this is where I'm going, and this is what I'm doing, and you have everything planned out, and you are busy drywalling up that room, and God is going through right behind you saying, nope, pulling all the screws out. And the drywall falls. And you look back and you say, I haven't got much accomplished. I, I, thought, I, I thought I did this already. And you're doing things. And the Bible talks about it in the book of Haggai. It, it says you, you, you go to a job and you earn a lot. And, and then he says you put it in a bag, but you put it in a bag with holes and it all leaks out and you're not making any progress in life. Hey, listen, maybe God and maybe the Holy Spirit of God is going behind you and he's unbuilding everything that you're constructing because you're not following God and what he wants you to do. It doesn't mean that he's going to obliterate you and drop a, 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 a bolt of lightning from heaven and you're just going to be uh, smashed to the earth and nothing is going to be left, but rather the idea is that you will never make progress in your life and you will continually work and you will continually try and get there, but you will find that you are getting nowhere because God is behind you undoing everything that you've done. We find there, there's a destruction that takes place. There's trial by fire. Go, go back with me in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 12. The Bible says this, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Listen, you're building and you're coming up short. I thought of this illustration, I remember we lived in Peru for many years as missionaries. You know, funny thing, all the years, 15 years, I think it was that we lived in Peru. I'm trying to think, I don't think we ever had a fire alarm or a smoke detector in our house, not in one of them, which doesn't surprise you because it's Peru. There's a lot of unsafe things about Peru. But can I tell you this? Really never even thought about fire. Matter of fact, I, I think I may have seen a fire truck in Peru, maybe once. I never really saw a fire truck. You know why? None, at least in the parts that we lived, in the mountains and then down on the coast. Now maybe the jungles are different, but in the mountains and the, on the coast, all of their houses are cement. Matter of fact, I never even feared fire. Matter of fact, if my house caught on fire in the kitchen, it probably would never leave the kitchen. It could burn out 
and it really wouldn't be a danger to the rest of us. Why? Because their houses are all made of concrete, all made of block. There's no drywall there. There's no wood studs. There's no carpeting. It's all hard uh, shell concrete buildings. And listen, if you build your life on Jesus Christ and you build it following the book, following the Bible and obeying God in your life, you know what? You don't have judgment to fear. You don't have to say, well, man, I, I'm scared to death for that preacher. I, I, I don't want that judgment day concerns me. Maybe, maybe you need to let God tear some things down and you need to rebuild it following the book of God, following the Bible. He doesn't desire to destroy, obliterate your life. But he does despise wickedness and world philosophies. I was going to go there, but we're out of time. John chapter number 2, you can go there. You can mark it down in verse number uh, uh, 13 through 16. You know, what, you know what takes place in that passage? Jesus goes into the temple. The Bible says he makes a small whip out of some cords and strands. And he goes in there and you know what he does? He overturns the tables. Coins go everywhere. The Bible uses the words he drives out those money changers out of the house of God. And he is upset, righteously angry because of the wickedness that was taking place in the house of God. We don't have to go into a whole message on that, but understand this. The Bible says in verse number 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Some facts are that he dwells within you. The temple can be defiled. And then he does say that he'll destroy you, but not in the idea of obliterate, but rather undo the things that you're doing and you'll never get anywhere. Those are some facts of the temple. The foundation must be Jesus Christ. The facts are the dwelling, the, the um, defilement and the destruction and then lastly, the last thought, and I won't spend any time on this, but the finishing of the temple. Paul said this in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Maybe, maybe your life is built. It's established. You've followed God to the best of your ability throughout your life. Can I tell you this? Finish well. Finish well. Just because you get older, don't, don't allow wickedness to creep into the temple and it to be defiled. Finish well. Finish well. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Ye are the temple of God. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, Preacher, I realize that my tower is leaning. My life is leaning. And I've never come to a place where I've put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation. You can do that today. Call on Him. The Bible says, 
For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe you need to jack up your foundation and rip out all the foundation that was there. And establish your life on Jesus Christ and him alone for salvation. Maybe your temple is being built. The foundation is there. It's Jesus Christ. And you know that the Holy Spirit dwells within you, but maybe there's some defilement that's taking place. Maybe there's some deconstruction, if I could say it that way, that's taking place because you're not following God as you ought to be. Or maybe you're nearing the end of your race and you just want God to help you finish strong and finish right. Whatever the need God's able to help you. Father, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. God, I pray that you would cause us to live right, to stay right. Help us to be reminded every single day of the week that we are the temple of God. The most holy place is right within us every day of the week. I pray, God, that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and the music's playing, the altar's open. What know ye not that ye are the temple of God? The Holy Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Whatever the need, the altar's open. the piano plays maybe maybe you want to join the church maybe you need to get baptized maybe you need to get saved whatever the need if you need to talk to me I'm available song that's being played I surrender all don't hold anything back from God he lives within you don't keep any part of you from him be wholly surrendered to God